This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Dollars and Change. Everyone's in a good mood now. Some good music, which is a request of our guests, which I really appreciate. He told our uh, sound engineer, Danielle, what, what music he'd like to be brought into here. So we're excited to have Ted Qualley, Executive Director of the Police Athletic League of Philadelphia. We're already we we're having great conversation in the break here, which is like a, a cardinal sin of radio hosting. Save the good conversation for on air. But I can promise you it's going to be a great conversation. Already is. Ted, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. We're, we're delighted. So let's start. I actually, I don't even know. Is is PAL a national organization? It is a national organization. The The national entity isn't as as robust or structured as, say, uh, Boys and Girls Clubs or Big Brothers and Sisters. Okay. So, so why don't you tell our listeners what it is, then, if everyone might not be familiar? And, and so what that translates to is that police athletic leagues around the country look and feel a little ah, bit different. Okay. We're very fortunate here in Philadelphia to have one of the, 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 the largest, but also, I would say, most impactful pals in the country. And that's in large part due to the fact that we have an entire unit of police officers assigned to PAL. Wow. So, so they, they're full-time. Their full-time job is the Police Athletic League. So it's community policing at its finest, I would sure. argue. Yeah. And we're also a 501c3 nonprofit. So I oversee the nonprofit, and then we have a commanding officer, a lieutenant, who reports up to a deputy commissioner and then to the commissioner. And so it's it's you know it's managed at the highest levels yeah. of the police department. Oh, that's we great. have about 32 officers in that unit today. And each PAL center, which is essentially a gymnasium, a computer club, a homework club, okay. is run by a full-time Philadelphia police officer. Now, the nonprofit provides the resources to, to rent to facilities or some we own, uh, you know, for the, the equipment, the basketballs, sure. the baseballs, the homework club, computer club, things like that. Um, and then we also have support staff in there to help deliver and support the officer in delivery of programs. Very cool. So what was the need? I know... Philly Powell was started in 1947 right. for Sandlot Baseball, right? right. To get some Which six. is a great movie, too, The Sandlot. <laughs> so if you, if, if that's probably what the image this a lot of people have in, show. Their, <laughs> no. have in their head. But yeah, so uh, what has it become? What's the need it addresses today? So we're focused on three outcome areas. Okay. Crime, juvenile crime, six to eight blocks around our PAL centers, because okay. most of the kids in Philadelphia are walking to these centers. Okay. Um, character development. So sports, in, in many ways, offers an opportunity to build positive character Absolutely. attributes, grit, persistence, mm-hmm. teamwork, you know, plan B thinking. Um, and then to uh, a, a lesser degree, in so much that we're not an education organization, we believe that when, when you have a positive relationship and a positive outlet, a safe place to go and do homework mm-hmm. uh, and have tutors and mentors, that we can move the needle a little bit on education. Sure. And mm-hmm. so the metric we look at there is attendance okay. um, and then grade progression. Excellent. Wow. Well, that, that is great work and, and quite a, uh, a breadth of, uh, you know, work that you're committing to. What does the actual programming look like? Is this an after-school program? Is it uh, weekend stuff? Tell us a little bit about what the operations look like. Sure. So so we are an after-school program. All of our centers are open from 3 to 9 p.m. Okay. And a typical day for a, for a PAL child is the younger kids come in uh, earlier in the day, 
and they um, they'll go into homework club. So they come they come from school. Come right from school, and they'll have an opportunity to have someone help them with their homework. There's also reading circles and reading programs in there if they don't have any homework. Uh, and there's a computer club where they can engage in our computer education program and or just use those computers. Um, you know, free access to the internet and. Um, and then they get done their homework. They're you know there maybe an hour or so, and then they move out to the gym. Got it. And it could be a sports based day, and we're we're starting to learn a whole lot more about sports based youth development and providing training for the officers in that arena. Um, or it could be group mentoring is taking place in that in that gymnasium, or any number of other things. We have a whole bunch of uh, really cool academic programs. Uh, similar to a, uh, a Jeopardy slash Wheel of Fortune, oh, we call fun. the Pal Challenge, right? So we'll have the projector up, and it's two teams of five, and they compete, and you know, it's 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 a trivia. Contest. Yeah, cool, excellent. I mean, this sounds, I mean, like an incredible resource for the kids, also, but from a social impact angle, I'm thinking systems wide, like a program that goes from three to nine allows parents to to work. Right. So you we're know, not we're not we're not babysitters, mm-hmm. but the reality is that that. There needs to be a place for yes, these kids to go place. that is yep. safe. Yep. So we focus on safe, fun, and free. No child, no parent, no one ever pays for anything um, for, for their kids to, to attend at PAL. And so, you know, we rely on philanthropic support to, 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 to do that. The city does donate the, the benefits and salaries, if you will, of the officers. So that's an Which income, is no joke. Which is no 32 joke. 32 full-time folks dedicated uh, right. to this. So we're in the neighborhood of about $4 million in that commitment from the city of Philadelphia. And then we're a nonprofit that exists solely to support that one police unit. Wow. So, Ted, you know, the, the I guess the overall structure and, and programming sounds similar to potentially a lot of other types of sure. programs. But the integration of police and, and these officers is obviously quite unique. So... You know, what are, are they, you know, if, if I think about someone that's running this program on a day to day basis, like I have a picture in my head. I mean, is that is it different with the police? Is there anything specific that they're bringing to the table? Sure. So so the police are our secret sauce. Right. That, that, that's it for pal. Um, the in a lot of neighborhoods in Philadelphia and in cities across the country, there are strained relationships, um, sometimes strained more than others uh, between law enforcement and the community that they that they protect and serve, and and it happens for a host of reasons. Sometimes it's what people see on social media. Sometimes it's what they may have experienced in real life, or mm-hmm. they've witnessed happen to a parent or an uncle or a brother. Mm-hmm. So, what Pal tries to do, and what differentiates us from other organizations that maybe also have a gym or maybe also have a computer club, is we bring a police officer into the life of a child in a positive way, their first interactions on a basketball court or in a homework club, and they develop a relationship. Now, that officer is developing relationships with lots of children in his or her center, mm-hmm. but they have the opportunity to go there every day, Monday to Friday after school, to experience things for the first time. You know, step foot on the first college campus, go to a Phillies or a 76ers game for the first time, compete in a citywide basketball tournament awesome. or a citywide tennis tournament. You know, all with and under the guidance of a police officer. And what it does is it sort of removes all of the noise. And the kids realize and the officers realize that they're the same, right? Mm-hmm. These They're just like me. They've come from the same neighborhoods. Here's another adult Just that as cares frustrated about them. with the Sixers or yeah, excited or whatever about the Sixers. It may, or excited <laughs> nowadays, right? You know, so, 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 so it breaks down those barriers. And that's not to say that some of these kids can't still get in trouble. It's not to say that a Ferguson couldn't happen in sure, Philadelphia, yeah. right? It could. I would venture to bet that if it did, it wouldn't be in the area immediately around a PAL center. 
and or if it were, that when that PAL officer walks out, the dynamic would change pretty quickly because the community respects that officer. Mm -hmm. Even if they're in the no good things, right? They have a different level of respect for that officer because even the people that are engaged in illicit behavior have kids and they care about those kids. That is yeah. universal. Yeah. And they know that when that child's in that PAL center, they're safe. Yeah. They're safe from everything. So yeah. that's, that's, that's sort of what differentiates I us. mean, it's really interesting on such a hyper-domestic level because some of my background actually was in international educational exchanges. So I worked in Washington, D.C. My portfolio was actually former Soviet Union countries. So we were thinking about people who had grown up in under communism mm -hmm. and just the in you know the intercultural dialogue of coming to the US learning you know being with people or people being there and learning about each other and you know that sort of makes intuitive sense if i told you that story i'd be like okay yeah sure yeah. but then like how that can happen within our communities mm -hmm. and probably doesn't happen enough is really that's sort of the analog for me in in my head yeah yep. and so i'm curious you know when it comes to programs like pal or you know, really a, a lot of things that work with kids, and you're you're talking about measuring your impact, understanding your impact. It's really tricky. These are muddy waters because how much I don't want to say credit, but when you come to you know tracking your metrics for success, you got all sorts of things going on in, in this ecosystem. We're at a school. There's a lunch program. There's a, this program in the classroom. There's a pal program after school. There's also this X Y Z going on in the community. They're bringing in healthy foods. All these things. How do you figure out, you know, how are we being successful? What does, you know, what does better look like for us? So it's, it's a great question. And I think nonprofits across the spectrum yep. are all struggling with yes. this or trying there to tackle this There are a lot of people who are taking out a pen right now going like, all right, I don't have the answer uh, per se, but I'll tell you how we're approaching it. And um, I think we, if, if, I think we all agree that we need to, to have some sort of metrics, right? If we can't, we can't measure it, we can't manage Me it, measure we can't what move matters. the needle. Yep. Um, in so much that that PAL is also a unit of the Philadelphia Police Department, we look at crime. So we looked at uh, juvenile crime in a six to eight block radius around our PAL centers. We chose that radius because that's where typically kids come from. And we looked at a year prior to opening a PAL center versus a year after opening the PAL center. We looked at that six to eight blocks and we looked at citywide. What we found was that juvenile crime, A, it went down citywide. Good news, right? It went down everywhere. B, in the six to eight blocks around those two PAL centers that we looked at, it went down a little bit more. And in one instance, I would say significantly more. And so we believe we contributed to that, to your point. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other activities that are going on. Sure. So I feel like PAL is part of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. We cannot do it alone. There's sure. not enough resources for us to just open a PAL center in every neighborhood. Um, but we, we believe we contribute to that. So we look at things now as, such as attendance, right? So how many kids are actually coming mm -hmm. on a daily basis? We've identified. And is it something you sign up for and you have to come consistently or is it a day-to-day? -day? So, so we're both drop-in okay. and structured, okay. which frankly makes measuring outcomes sure, a little bit sure. more difficult. Yeah. So it's perfectly acceptable, acceptable for a child to show up Tuesday at 4.30, stay for an hour, and go home. He or she was safe for that hour, mm -hmm. and that's an amazing outcome. Sure, sure. Yep. Tough to raise money on that outcome, yeah. but it's an amazing outcome nonetheless. Yep. We try to keep them coming back. 
with our structured programming, which we hope is fun yeah. and engaging, educational. Um, but at the end of the day, we don't want kids to leave school to go to school. Mm-hmm. We want them to come in. We sort of sneak them the spinach, right? Come yeah. in. We're going to give you an amazing <laughs> basketball experience or an yeah. amazing, you know, computer club. But at yeah. the same time, we're also going to we're going to you're going to learn about you know positive character. Yeah, attributes. even gonna... just the basketball teaches right. character Absolutely when you play it in the right does. way. And it's been fascinating to learn about sports based youth development to say you know there is something to be said about. What happens when you miss that free throw? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you do next? That plan B thinking or, you know, getting up and to Nick's point earlier, right? You know, if you wake up in the morning and you're miserable and you do this, that and the other thing and and you're not happy with the world. Well, that can be learned, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. So 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 behavior is a skill Mm -hmm. just like free throw shooting. So you can learn those skills. And when they see a police officer that can say, listen, I didn't think college was on my radar at all. Mm -hmm. And my coach told me, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. And so I went to to Gloucester County Community College because he knew someone there. And we went and visited. And I loved it. Right. So those sorts of things happen. Um, So so we look at dosage now. So the research in sports-based youth development and other programs that we have says we need these kids for a minimum of 60 hours a year. Okay. Ideally closer to 200. To to make an impression. To to start to have that sort of transformational impact. Right. That really relationship where we brag about them at our yep. annual awards dinner. <laughs> yep. And 60 hour I mean that's that's an, a it's consistent hour plus a week. Right. There's kids that are coming 200 300 hours a sure. year. That's what we want. Yeah. But you know so we're starting to look at those metrics now. Um, and then we're also looking at how do we re-engage those kids that came once mm. but aren't coming again. What's the age range? So we serve 6 to 18. We have okay. 20,000 kids enrolled. But about eight to 10,000 of them are what we would refer to as active, okay. right? They're actually coming. Yep. Now, if they all came, we might not be able to accommodate them, right? It's sort of like the, you know, the L.A. fitness model. If everyone who belonged to the sure, gym showed up, sure. there could be trouble. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, but, but we want them. We're not turning Luckily anyone away. Luckily for America. Right. Well, you know, Ted, it reminds me, too, um, when you were talking about the six to eight block radius and the crime, it, we're working with Shane Jensen, mm-hmm. professor of statistics here. You should meet you Shane. Know, he, he's awesome. He's a professor of the science of statistics. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something wow. I certainly don't understand. Yep. But we are, we are actually talking about community vibrancy. We've had him on our show, and he's looking at big data from the city and other sources to look at different um, different effects on what may be contributing to what he considers community vibrancy, which includes maybe business development or you know uh, a decline in crime or something. So definitely, could we could have that conversation uh, to to think about we you would, know your metrics. We too. would love to. And here's and here's where. I think it, it, here's an example of where, where it makes sense, right? That we're just a piece of the puzzle. So we opened up a PAL center at H and Tioga. It was the former Ramblers Rec Center. So the city owns the facility. Mm-hmm. It had largely been shuttered, right? It was being used for storage and things like that. They brought us in and they said, would you like to use this center? And we looked at it and we said, it's got all the bones. It needs some renovation, but we can do it. So we have some amazing partners here in Philadelphia, the Building Owners and Managers Association. They got all their contractors. They came out, oh, nice. renovated the place for free. They donated their time, labor, and materials for free. That's fabulous. It became the flagship PAL Center. When we started there, there was a motorcycle gang next door. The Most of the stores were vacant in the shopping center. Mm-hmm. It actually sits in a shopping center there. And it's in Kensington, and it's just a challenged neighborhood. Now, five, six, seven years later... There's more stores in that shopping center. The lot is paved. The motorcycle gang has moved out. And interestingly enough, your your next guest, I think from Shift Capital, yeah. they have so much development going on in, a, in and around this PAL center now. Now, we didn't create that. They didn't create us. But it takes, I think, all those pieces coming together. 
We have, I think, 2,000 kids registered there. The Councilwoman Maria Cunona Sanchez is a huge fan. We have the right officer, to Nick's point, right? The, the people on the ground matter the most. We have the right and the, yep. officer running that center. The parents are engaged. Wawa is a community partner there. They have about 15 people that come up twice a week from their corporate headquarters to, to tutor the kids, to spend time, to play kickball. They're also an adopt center, so they're a funding partner there. That's awesome. It's firing on all cylinders. So that's the vision, right? That's yeah. what we yeah. want to create, all those sorts of things. Um, but it takes – there's more to it than just PAL. We're contributing to that. But you know, someone with, with, with a degree in science of statistics could probably <laughs> tell us how much we're contributing to that. No, but, you know, it's it's tough to measure those things because they, they have that virtuous cycle effect. Right. Now it's well lit. Now it's well trafficked. Right. Now people are feeling comfortable. Now the – Folks from Walla are coming in, and now maybe they shop and they grab lunch locally there. I mean, you know, is, it's this, like this stuff. This is an area where the drug dealers have someone who flies a drone over the, the cop on the street riding a bicycle, right? They have networks of people that would make uh, you know CEOs like Nick Bear drool because they have regular performance reviews for their people. They have kids that are making $1,500 in a weekend because that's how complicated – they're running these 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 drug operations. And so it's fascinating to see. We took a couple of board members on a tour of about 15 square blocks last week, and we read a lot about the heroin epidemic in Philadelphia. Sure. Yeah. So the Harrogate Powell Center is probably 10 blocks away from there. Okay. We opened another center four blocks away from there. Might not seem to make sense, but the kids 10 blocks away can't come to that center that's four blocks away because it's pretty dangerous. During a 45-minute board tour, we had to stop twice for overdoses because the police were driving the vans and they had to respond, right? They're police officers first. So it's just fascinating. And meanwhile, we're sitting in the back of the van watching them call for paramedics. And here's kids walking down the street with their backpacks on. And so that's the world that, yep. that, that we're, we're grappling with yep. right now. And, you know, I think we play a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, you know, I'm imagining, too, we talk about a lot of these, you know, things that are difficult to measure and track. But if that's somewhere for the kid to have a conversation, hey, what, what was that? What's, you know... What happened to that person? And to be able to ask a police officer that question, get some, you know, good information, feel like it's somewhere they can have that conversation. It's a place for a safe conversation. It's a place to develop a positive relationship. So if and when later down the line, mm-hmm. you know, a police officer pulls up in a corner and they're looking for someone that fits a description and they, they now know this child, yeah. they can say something to him and say, hey, you know, I, what, what was going on How with you? you Whatever, you know, it's yeah. not like hands behind your back. Let me frisk you. Yep. The, the other piece to this is and, and we don't sort of advertise this. But with so many people coming and going, with the community feeling like this is a safe place, it is also a way where some of the no-snitch mentality can be sort of circumvented, right? No one looks at anyone differently for going into a PAL center. Now, the PAL officer, if he or she gets information, they don't run out and try to make an arrest. Sure. But they clearly communicate that back to the districts. Yeah. So the districts right. are huge partners. Yep. They come and go. They come and you know play with the kids and, right. and compete against them and things but like that. But some kid is not going to feel comfortable walking into a police day station and or saying, I, th- I think I might matter. have some information. But right, if you're picking up your kid or you're there. Yeah, I just drove past that block and you know there's something going on there. And then just they That's... call back to the district and they send a car to drive by. So it sounds like there's a ton of really amazing work being done a lot more that can be done what what's next what is what is a big priority for you i mean we're here at the end of 2017 what's sure. what's next for 2018 so we are about midway through a five-year strategic plan and that strategic plan and frankly the research behind it um was made possible by josh harris the the managing owner of the 76ers 
alum here and, and founding uh, partner of Apollo. And, you know, he, he put us through the Apollo process. He hired an organization called uh, the Bridgespan Group out of yeah, Boston. Yep. Yep. They spent a lot of time helping him identify somewhere where he could maybe make a transformational impact. And um, and he ultimately selected Pal in wow, part because I think – Wow, that's really great. That's a thoughtful it, yeah, process. It, absolutely. It was, it was incredible. Um, and in part, I think he selected us because we have some ability to go to scale. And so um, – we set a um, we set a five year strategic plan looking to serve more kids in more PAL centers in the highest crime lowest income neighborhoods of the city, and and Josh then gave us the biggest gift in our history uh, to operationalize that plan. So he's become a true partner for yeah, us. Yeah, that's great. So we're looking to open up a few more centers and serve a whole lot more kids. That's great, and it's a really thoughtful sort of strategic business partner who's making yes. that operational gift. No it's great Those are the best donors. Way to go, Josh. Um, so we are. Talking to Ted Qualley, Executive Director of Power, having a great conversation, but time has flown. It's time to wrap up this segment. This is Dollars and Change on Sirius XM 111. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.